Do you believe in the mission of this podcast for you, for your colleagues, and for your clients? If you do, we'd like to invite you to invest with us. Yeah, nothing happens without an investment. Mm -hmm. I believe in the things that we're talking about make a difference in people's lives, like real lives that affect generations. So we'd love it if you'd invest with us. For sure, if you're uh, having difficulties financially, please do not give. If you serve a very underserved population, do not give. But if, if the ideas from this podcast you use professionally, we'd love to invite you to invest with us to keep this thing going. Why should I? I mean, what's the point? Today we're going to stay with our stuck series, The Burnout Pursuer. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. All right, Ryan. So appreciate it, man. Um, so burnt out pursuers, <laughs> man, that's a hard one. Seriously. What's the point? That is the message. That's the underlying attachment cry because let's even get clear about what it means to be burnt out pursuer. So you already hear by the name pursuer. So, you know, hopefully, you know, you already know what a pursuer is, but just once again, this is represents the anxious attachment style or kind of what we sometimes, the preoccupied uh, attachment style. And so they can be very much preoccupied and focused on others or on seeing the problem, but the hope is to see the problem, to see the threat and get it addressed. But all while also feeling like, don't quite see me because you might kind of, I don't want to be too much and I don't want to be rejected or abandoned. And so they have this energy to kind of say, hey, there's a threat, let's everyone look at it with me. But here's the problem that's happened for them. They've tried and they've tried what feels like for them. And once again, they're not trying to be difficult. They've tried their best effort. And with their best effort, things just get worse. They get blamed. They get told they're too much. They get told the reason why we are where, where we are is because of how you are. And so eventually they say, what's the point? just like the baby who stops crying to get people to come towards them in their moments of distress is kind of what happens for the burnt out pursuer. And here's where it gets hard and where it gets sticky because that pursuer, now this might be, you know, once again, pursuer is a secondary attachment strategy. You know, it's not trying to, it's not really relying on security of it's okay for me to have these needs and it's okay for me to share it and I can trust and take in people's comfort. So then they take on this secondary strategy of this anxious attachment. So that, but that's what they learned to survive, by the way. This is the way that they learned to navigate the world. But then that didn't work either. So now we're really on, this is like, the, it feels like, no, Ryan's more the baseball coach, so I'm exposed. It feels like the pitch count is up, and I'm, I'm afraid I'm about to strike out. Mm, yeah, good. I got a good baseball run it. in there. And so now what they feel is, I'm not going to do that anymore. Even though that's the way I learned to survive, I can't do security. And I can't even do my secondary strategy. Now they're in like another a whole nother gear that their body in a way. And they begin to resent this new position. And also, but while they're resenting it, they're like, you know what? I need to see you put some skin in the game. I'm tired of having to be the one. Mm. 
Just want to welcome you into the burnt out pursuer world. Yeah, that's really good. I learned something right there. That was good. Mm-hmm. It's like a triple turn, right? Mm-hmm. I turn off. I turn off my heart. Tired mm-hmm. of getting hurt. I turn on you, and I even turn on my main strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. So even even my protection strategy, um, I, I disconnect with that. That's pretty good. So the burnout pursuers, man, they can be really tough. Yeah. I went through a season in particular where. Um, when I was about ready to quit EFT over these folks. Um, and so I really struggled until I felt it. Mm. I want to talk more about that. But before I do, this is withdrawer energy. All right. So so some people think they are withdrawers. In fact, most withdrawal, withdrawal couples, what you're dealing with is one of them as a burnout pursuer. We talked about that an episode or two back. But this is withdrawer energy on top of devastation mm. is the piece I want you to capture. Withdraw our energy on top of devastated motivation and a devastated heart and a humiliated heart. Oof. So when I think about who maybe I feel most sorry for in all the situations, this is probably it, is that burnout pursuer. Because they've had to turn on three of their main things to arrive in this position. And until I fully leaned into that, I couldn't work with them. I mean, it was it was infuriating. Um, so I struggled until I felt it. You know, this is Charlie Brown, right? If you all watch that cartoon, you know, Charlie Brown comes up to kick the ball. Lucy promises she's going to work on it. <laughs> she promises she's going to change. Then I come up to kick the ball. Same thing happens. I fall in the back of my head. And we do this again and again and again and again and again. Until one day, I'm not playing anymore. And yet, I really don't want to leave either. And so it's right back to that ambivalent client, as we've talked about before, and we're going to do a whole episode on this coming up pretty soon. It reminds me one time, years ago, I was an advisor. This is, now I'm going to have empathy for the therapist. (laughs) Uh, I was an advisor at a university, and I had this student, and they were just going through a, a hard place. I was just like going through their schedule. And uh, this person said, I need to graduate. I have to graduate at this date. I'm like, all right, we can do that. And then, and then they said, uh, but no, I can only take two classes a semester. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you're going to graduate a little later. No, I just told you I have to graduate here. Okay. So which semester are you going to take nine or 12 hours then? I can't do that. And it was this weird sort of confrontation and it put me in this stuck position of, I can't give you what you're seeking here with what you're offering me. And so it's this sort of impossible feeling that can come up with the therapist because that's what the burnout pursuer is saying. They're in your office because they do want something different. They want closeness and love. But they are absolutely not willing to, to give you the ingredients that goes towards making that soup. So it can be really, really infuriating. And they can be mean. <laughs> on the surface and and who wouldn't be mean with that much humiliation going on before that. So just trying to lean into this, um, there's safety in not trying. Mm. If I don't have any needs, you can't hurt me. There's also safety in not leaving or quitting, which puts us right back into that functional slash pathological stance of the burnout pursuer. I agree with you, Ryan. And while there's safety in not trying, there's also bitterness and resentment that comes from it, or at least 
the uh, I would say the bitterness and resentment is I can't eat, I'm not even allowed to try or my trying, which was my best attempt. I can't even engage that now. And, you know, one of the things I love to hear George say, like, you know, he talks about the benefits of both strategies. And when he gets to the pursuer, he says, at least they get to get out some energy. Mm-hmm. They get to take kind of like this motivational Event. energy yeah, yeah, yeah. that's inside. Mm-hmm. And so now while there's safety in that trying, they also begin to feel like this almost like, you know, if, you know, we're about to have, Canada's about to have their Thanksgiving, we're going to have our Thanksgiving. I know there's other cultures that maybe do a version of that. It's almost like when you eat too much, you're like, I enjoy this, but it's like, it's almost like you feel the backup inside of you in a way. Uh, I just see that for pursuers, the burnt out is like, there's this backup of energy that wants to do good, but I can't use it. Oof. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. The safety and leaving and safety and not leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me think. So I have a, I have a story on this. So we'll tell the story maybe now. Do you think we, we, you think we've laid a good foundation and walked them into the world? Of the no, I want more. You want? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk strategies after the break. Okay, but so I got two. So you want to go first or you want me to go first? Okay. You want, uh, let me, uh, so I, you, you go ahead and go around. Well, I just, for me, I, I had the right moves, mm-hmm. but none of them worked because I wasn't feeling it. There you go. You know, and I was, I'll get into the practicals in a minute about, going a little faster than they could go. <clears throat> Excuse me, but just two images come to mind because you got to feel this, man, or you can't work with, with people like this. You know, so a lot of people who listen to this podcast went to a lot of school mm-hmm. and passed. Right? Are you probably not listening here? And uh, so just imagine that you had this big test that comes up, let's say, finals in December, and you start studying in June. And not only do you study every day, you like go home and, you, you know, your, maybe your parents or your sibling is helping you study. They're doing, they're doing index cards. They're working and you're starting to get it. And maybe even pay someone to tutor you. So I got to pass this test. And you study and you study and you stay up all night and you drink a bunch of coffee and you stay up and you study and you study and you study. And you get there to test day and everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. You didn't study for the right test. It's every, you miss every single question, and it's just a devastating defeat. I mean, this is the experience of a burnout pursuer. They put everything into this relationship, only to find out it's nothing like what was promised. Yep. Or more specifically, you know, you enter a relationship, you fall in love, mm. you you write the love letters, you uh, maybe you walk down the aisle if if the relationship is is a marriage. You, you give this person everything. You take, your, you take your clothes off, full intimacy. You share your heart. And the response of your partner is, meh. And continually, over like 20 years, everything in their world is, is more important than you. And how many times do you sit down and ask for a conversation? How many times do you say something's got to change? Something's got to change. You threaten to leave. You try every strategy in the world until one day you consolidate on the only way I can really be safe is to is to get rid of me, to shut you out, and even to shut out my protection strategies. I mean, it's really important to realize that the person that's sitting across from you in that burnout position, they're a, they're a thousand miles into a humiliating journey. And the more you can lean into that, the more it slows you down and gives you a chance to... Uh, to come alongside that. I like that, Ryan. And so I loved how Ryan made the experience of the client there. So now I want to take a moment and even walk with the therapist on the other end of that burnt out pursuer to help catch that. Because just like Ryan was saying, like, you know what? 
I've done my work. I've watched I've watched success and vulnerability. I've heard, you know, George, Ryan, James talk about pursuer world and withdrawal world. I'm ready. I've got my kind of pursuer energy kind of therapist stance ready. I've got my withdrawal energy uh, kind of therapist stance ready. And I'm, I'm pretty good at seeing the energy in the room and recognizing it. And then so here's the moment. And all of a sudden I feel like I think, uh-oh, is this couple withdrawal withdrawal? Got a podcast episode on that too. Uh, but then it's all of a sudden, it's like, no, I think this person, wait, I'm confused. And you think they're like a withdrawer, so you kind of treat it that way. Then you also, you find a little bit like maybe you feel like, boom, this edge of criticism, this quick protest come out. And you're like, uh-oh, okay, maybe there is the pursuer right there. And you try and move towards it. And you try and heighten that, that, that protest and understand the function of it, the experience within it. And then all of a sudden, it feels like they pull away. They say, no, nah, but it's okay. It's all good. You can talk to my partner over there. And they kind of move your, they keep moving your face away. It's like, hey, hey, don't look at me. Go look at them. And you're like, whoa, whoa, what's happening here? And then you go to the other partner. They're like, oh, yeah, I think everything's fine. I'm trying my best on this. You know, date nights. I'm talking about, I'm trying to schedule our conversations in the evening. I'm trying all these things, but nothing I'm doing is working. And you're like, whoa. What's it like for your partner that they're doing this? They're like, eh, eh, yeah, they are. And you're like, you are completely just almost like, what in the world is happening here? I can't get this cycle clear. And every now and then you feel pursuing it, but then it goes right back. And you can't figure out what strategy is being used here. Whew. Then it makes you, as a therapist, feel like, I am failing. I am getting it wrong. And then you might even get irritated with that person that seems like they're the burnt out pursuer. Man. Hmm. And even your best reflections don't work. You try and run your kind of a, your, you try to repetitively reflect their attachment dilemma. All of your good moves just seem to keep getting knocked down over and over and over. And then you, you're like, what is happening here? Yeah, you know you're in layers of cycles. Cycle between the therapist and the client, cycle between the client, cycle between the previous cycles. It's just layers of cycles, which means we were never supposed to be here. This is not how a relationship should ever be. And yet there is hope. Let's talk about some strategies after the break. Do you like the content that you're hearing on this podcast? Well, we invite you to join us on successandvulnerability.com, along with George Fowler, and other EFT therapists and supervisors, where you get to get more thorough insight into these concepts and actually get to see it done. Once again, join us on successandvulnerability.com. All right. So let's come back to this very practical aspect now. You know, what are some of the moves then that we've got to be able to do? And I want to give this credit to Catherine DeBroom. Uh, I remember when I was a brand new trainer in training and uh, and at that time it was like me, some other trainer, tra and one of them was uh, Gretchen Harrell, who is a EFT trainer out of Chicago community. That's a great community. I've gotten to visit them before. And uh, Gretchen brought in this case and Gretchen was kind of like, hey, I kind of see, I felt these two energies in a way kind of coming from this person. And Catherine DeBruin just kind of blew my mind in, in the feedback that she was able to get. Catherine DeBruin's a trainer out of San Diego 
great, great person. Yep. We've had her on the podcast where she talked about EFT and play uh, e- EFFT with families and play therapy. Definitely look up Catherine DeBrun. Um, and Catherine DeBrun said, okay, I think we're dealing with a burnt out pursuer. And this is what we've got to do. At some point in time, this pursuer was going into their that that prime that kind of their, they were using. We're going to use this language now. Move. I'm changing Catherine's words a little bit here, y'all. She this pursuer was using their secondary strategy as their way to navigate the world, meaning the anxious pursuit. But then at some point in time, they decided to give that up because it wasn't working. You've got to be able to go back to that time and say, hey, before you got to this place where we are right now. What did it look like when you tried to fight for this relationship? Can you help me see what that looks like? And then see if they'll show it to you. And then you've got to have a moment where this is you as a therapist. Can I invite that part of you back into the relationship? I know it goes against what you're, what you, you know, what it feels like for you, but I got to invite that part of you back because I want to see what that cycle was that looked, what it looked like before you gave up on it. So we can kind of help you have some success there because that energy was trying to do something good. And I want you to be able to succeed with some of that. So that's the, that's the move I learned from is to invite that place back. Go back and do an assessment in a way. What did it look like before you gave it up? I love that. I love that. But burnout, sometimes burnout for sure is will teach you. If you do that too quickly, you're toast. Because <laughs> if you try to bypass this, you know, nine-year way I've been in the world and hurry up and get me somewhere, they, they can, they'll show you that they can outpower you. That's and you're right. not going to outpower a burnout pursuer. I promise you that. So you're already saying something. We just had that SV Live with George again. And one of the key lines that George said is, you cannot bypass mistrust. Right. If mistrust shows up, you better move towards the mistrust. Yep. And so that's what you're even kind of saying. Like, we've got to have some move to go toward their mistrust first. Yeah, we do. And I love what you're saying. I love what Catherine, KDB, as we call her, is saying. That's the right answer, you know, is to go back to how, how it was when you used to try. And I like that question. Uh, but you're going to have to think through the timing on when we invite the other person back in because it's up to them, not you, but it's the right direction. So I think about another metaphor. I was doing a ropes course one time as a participant, low ropes, medium ropes, and and our, there was like eight people there, and it was like uh, I think everyone on the team, this might have been intentional, everyone on the team was a college athlete except we had one female participant who, who had some physical challenges. Doesn't matter what they were. And uh, the objective was you had, we had to get the whole team over a 10-foot wooden wall. So that's the height of a basketball goal. We had to get everybody up and over. And so as is typical, two or three of those, those athletes just run up there and jump over it, and they're like, all right, come on. And you can see how this plays out. The, the lady with physical challenges got to the top, and she freezes. And she starts to, like, sink her nails into the top of that wooden wall. And we're already over. Right, and she stayed up there a long time, and uh, it was pretty uncomfortable. And the facilitator, we kept giving her advice. We kept saying, "Come on, you got this. Come on." We were we were being supportive, but we were really speaking to where we wanted her to go, as opposed to where she is. And so, thankfully, a couple of us literally climbed back up on the wall, and instead of saying "Do this, do that," we started listening instead of just instructing. Like, "Hey, tell me what's happening. What are you seeing?" What do you need? Like we slowed it way, way down. And sure enough, she had some solutions already there. But we had to go to the pace that she was on, not the pace we wanted her to be. And that's how uh, burnout pursuers are. Our job is to walk beside them 
and sort of get in the rhythm of their dance to allow them to take a step towards how they wish it could be different. And I can't tell you how hard that is to do because it, it activates the sense of failure in the therapist to go that slow and to continue to sort of allow a strategy that we know can't, can't work to continue to stay there patiently and explore that. So, you know, there's a, there's, there's a great danger in premature butts. Is that a website? Prematurebutts.com. Don't up. Google that. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, really easy for a therapist to be like, yeah, 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 I know it's hard, but if you don't try, right? And so it's, 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 it's too fast. It's too fast. Our job is to spend a significant amount of time with, with a significant burnout pursuers. I don't want to stereotype them, but our job is to spend a significant amount of time putting our words to their words about how this does make sense. How many times do I got to try? How many times do I get dropped? What's the point? And so we're, it's, a, it's just a form of validation, but it's an extensive form of validation, really, really unpacking their uh, horrible attachment dilemma. I mean, I, I learned this lesson the hard way yesterday, Ryan. Uh, I was working with a couple, and I've been doing this for a while, and I would say probably and honestly, I prematurely tried to invite in, in, in this burnt out pursuer and she did a good job um, she said this to me I don't think that's fair James which is this epitomizes what you just said I don't think it's fair to ask me that yet mm -hmm. which good lesson for me mm -hmm. but then yesterday finally something poked it happened in session a live vivid trigger happened and boom this anger this frustration came out and you could almost see in her eyes like she was no longer like in her body in a way it took her back to old triggers and old moments. And she and it was this moment. I had to go towards her mistrust in that moment. And that's what made it flip. And this is one, you know, George really worked with us, with us a lot on is she needed me to go talk about her frustration. She needed me to talk about her anger. She needed me to talk about the moment her husband showed this confused kind of look on his face. And she's like that. And I was like, what was it about that look? He's confused right here, right now. It means I'm crazy. I'm the crazy one again, because confusion for him is like this innocent thing. But for me to be frustrated, I'm the monster. Oh, okay. All right. And we just kept going to just what you said, Ryan. That makes so much sense. Your framing of this makes sense. Who would want to be the crazy monster going after somebody who's supposed to be innocent, like you're devouring them or something? So even though your frustration is trying to do something good, because your frustration is trying to fight for the bond to kind of bring him closer, but then you see him go further away, but it doesn't feel so good for you on the receiving end of that. And then the way it ends is everyone just goes away from the person that was the monster, and you're left alone. Whew. Which confirms their worst fear. Exactly. Yep, and here we go. And let's be clear, burnout pursuer strategy will never work. You, you can't just protest your way into closeness. However, the therapist must work with that for a while to get them to sort of auto-change that approach. And it should probably change twice. The, the, project, the um, trajectory we want to be on is by their choosing from burnout pursuer to a regular withdrawer, back to being a pursuer, back to being an, an embodied pursuer with access to vulnerability. Whoa, whoa, can you say that again? I don't know. Okay, that's all right. It's recorded. <laughs> Burnout pursuer mm -hmm. 
back to a regular withdrawer. You understand? Because yep. yeah. And then back to a pursuer, which is what they initially were, which is eventually to an embodied pursuer, where I can bring forth my vulnerability and my deepest attachment need, as opposed to always preoccupying on external uh, moves of my partner. But that's a long journey for a burnout pursuer, and it should be long. You can't get your heart humiliated for 22 years and then just convert this thing over a couple of good enactments. Mm -hmm. So that's my next line is the therapist has to regulate self. We can't expect a burnout pursuer to change at the same level people that haven't had that much humiliation can. And that's a key point. I've told this story before. Let me retell it. 2000, what year was that? 12, maybe? My buddy Kenny Sanderford over in Nashville, he had Gail in town, and I had the, one of the hardest pursuers of my entire career. You've heard this story before. Sorry for the repeat, but it's a good one. Yes, it is. And I, and I called Kenny, and I said, hey, man, I'll drive over there, facilitate all week. I don't expect anything. I'll pay for my own hotel, and I just want one thing. I want five minutes to talk to Gail. And he's like, you got it, buddy. I tell you, <laughs> like, I'll be there. So, all right. So we, we drove over, and uh, it was good. And at lunch that day, I remember this. Gail was sitting to my left. She was eating a salad. That's all I remember. And I'm like, I started unpacking this story. And, uh, and Gail was a little atypical Gail. I was probably invading her rest time. I know, I know that now that I'm a trainer. You know, sometimes those lunch times are sacred, sacred recovery. But anyway, I was just unpacking this um, this very difficult uh, burnout pursuer. And I'll tell you what happened. It was probably session five or four. And the withdrawing partner, I was able to access really deep emotion. Like it was touching. I mean, it was like, whoa, this is awesome. I'm thinking this is going to be amazing. Be careful. That first five or six times the withdrawer goes deep. It can really ruffle the feathers of the pursuer, especially a burnout pursuer. And so I, I moved to Tango 4, so to speak. That was before Tango existed. But I went right over to the partner who's the burnout pursuer. And I'm like, so what's that like to, for you to hear? What's, what do you notice with that tear? And she ignores him completely and comes after me. She says, what the F are we doing? This is stupid. You're wasting our time. What are you trying to do? And I was knocked back on my heels pretty bad. And uh, finally, when I caught my breath, I, I, I came back with a challenge of her strategy, which is, uh, well, I can tell you one thing for sure. And she goes, oh, yeah, what's that? I'm like, well, I know for sure your way doesn't work. All right. <laughs> so that was that was a, a little dysregulated therapist on my part. So I told Gail that and she chuckled and she goes, well, you know, you did kind of as an attunement. You were attuning with where she was. And I'm like, all right, but if I was not a terrible therapist, what would I have done? Because then I felt bad. By the way, I went and repaired with, with that burnout pursuer, and it led to some good things. But Gail said, well, the first problem is um, it, it's your fault. <laughs> and she goes, you wanted it more than she did, and you can't do that, right? So it's another way of talking about the level of patience. You can't be exhibiting, at least, more motivation than they have. You can't outwork your clients. Good old fundamental rule of psychotherapy. She goes, you want it more than she does right now. So therefore, you've thrown off the dynamics in the room. And I'm like, all right, so what's an intervention you might use? And she goes, I would just lean into that. I would just say, okay, all right, I appreciate you speaking your truth. And, and maybe what you're saying is, it's just been too much. And I can't do this anymore. And even if my partner does show his heart and shows these shifts, I can't do it anymore. So she said, Ryan, you may have to walk over there and open the door for her. She was saying that metaphorically. Mm -hmm. 
And, and so I did, and instantly, she said, one of two things will happen. She'll say, yep, I'm done. And if that's the case, you just saved a whole lot of time in a year's worth of sweat that was going nowhere. Or more likely, you'll change your position once you open the door. Mm. And that's what happened. Once I said, you just can't do it anymore, she goes, well, I'm not saying that. So really what she was doing was, was saying, you're ahead of me. This enactment you just did with my partner is more vulnerability than I can respond to. Mm-hmm. So it was me. So she just said, you, you got to not want it more than they do. So this is a, a sidebar here that Gail helped me see is you can't have an agenda as a therapist. Even if the agendas are quote unquote good, you can't be going in there going, I'm going to save this relationship or it throws you out of process. Mm-hmm. My job is to do the best 50 minutes I can to create a space to get it more clear. And then if they start taking risk, then I become the orchestrator. But otherwise, I've got to be OK however it goes. So that was a big lesson for me. That's a huge one. Thank you, Ryan. And once again, in, you know, are we always want to be clear as possible. So I love what you're saying is, one, we're saying you got to be able – I like the layers you you help, you gave to. I hope those layers give some relief to you if you're listening, that you don't got to hit the home run. Mm-hmm. You don't got to go up and do the grand slam. But I like those layers that Ryan gave about going from burnt out to withdrawal to pursuer to embodied pursuer. Then to what we just said practically, what are your interventions to help go towards the mistrust? There's so many ways, but I guess one way is obviously reflect valid, reflect and validate. Keep reflecting and validating. I see it. I see it. And I get the good reasons for it. And I like what you said to walk with them into their current experience. Reminds me of like Leanne Campbell. She's so great with her clients of kind of creating this like with their reflections and exploration of making their world come alive. And then she'll say, can I go there and walk around in that with you? And do that in layers of and then highlight and validate their experience. And then two, I like this when you just said, Ryan, it's open the door. Can I get practical there? Like how would Ryan, like if you had that moment back, like how does Ryan rain and open the door for that burnt out pursuer to make a choice? Yeah, I mean, I, I just try to keep it simple. Just like, hey, I hear you, man. I love the phrase, I, I appreciate you speaking your truth. Yeah. Your truth is always welcome to here. And that's hard to do as a therapist because in some ways I don't appreciate it. It's messing my process up. <laughs> but people people have the right to have their voice heard. But in that so it's messing up my process, but I get why you do it in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So hey, I appreciate you speaking your truth. And I guess for me, I'm just trying to make sure I get where you're coming from. It almost at times seems like what you're saying is it's just been too much and I can't do this anymore. I can't put my heart back into this. Is that what you're saying? You just go and conject it out yeah. loud so clearly. It's a question, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And people are sometimes scared of that. Like, oh, are you telling them to break up? Nope. Absolutely not. Nope. I'm just trying to look at what the energy is trying to say right exactly. there. Exactly. That's the key intervention. You open the door by by really making explicit what their energy is trying to yeah. say. And if you really think about the pursuer world, um, they're they're actually reaching back in that moment down two levels back to the pursuer, yeah. the disembodied pursuer who's using their energy to motivate their partner. Come get me. Come get me. And, and if I make a big enough, if I blow up the building, well, then you finally come find me and send over your fire truck of love. And so, you know, that's what's going on. And so, but if I start trying to manipulate that, it doesn't, it doesn't let it run its natural trajectory. Mm. So you, you're going to see a lot of conversion when you start doing this right. you got to clear their protection by you, I think a great move is for you to say what their protest is saying. How many times have I tried? 
fool me once, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Fool me twice, right? Shame on me. So that's that's that inner world, that humiliated inner world of the of the burnout pursuer. Yeah, it, Ryan's doing proxy voice right there. It's a lot of proxy voice, reflection and validation, kind of all together. Mm-hmm. I've got to say that so many times that they don't have to with their behavior. That's mm-hmm. kind of my target. Mm-hmm. So you know. Oh wow, that's a good one right there. You're doing it so they don't have to say it with their behavior. That's right. That's a good. That's a good. I like. I like little clean lines yeah. of a frame to help me when I'm in session. Burnout pursuers need a witness to their years of suffering. Yeah, and it's 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 sort of paradoxical for a therapist to take that much time to do that, but they'll teach you mm. what happens when you don't. Yeah, and even from the self of the therapist point, that's what I would use that line to help make me do it. James, you better go do this so that way they don't their behavior doesn't happen That's to right. it. Go to it. So boom, let me get into my proxy voice with reflections and validations and and what I'm gonna look for is and I think I kinda learned this it's like while you're doing it, you're you're looking at that person out of the peripheral vision and I wanna see is their head nodding? Do I have their eyes locked on me? And and am I getting it? And then it's like almost what the way I envision that is I'm literally unloading that kind of like protective response by me running it out and validating it. I'm burning out all the energy because now they don't have to do it. And they'll be like, and even for that per- that burnt out pursuer I had in my office yesterday, I could just see in her face, she's like, exactly. Thank you. I'm glad somebody gets it. But you know what else was good though? Her withdrawal. Their, her partner got to see it also. And I looked over at him after I did some of that and I got a clear sign from her that it was right. He's like, man. I just learned a lot right there. I had no idea that that's exactly what it was like. I only thought of it as my as a narrative about my failure. So in my mind, I said, "Uh-oh, little bit of a green light." She didn't ask for it, but you. So even as you see it right now, and I kind of see your head shaking, could you just speak to kind of like this is your partner's lived experience? That's what just happened yesterday, and he was able to do it. Now here's the part once again with burnt out. Do you think that changed everything and all of a sudden that you're, that uh, she converted back to an embodied pursuer? No, she didn't. What did I get back? Mistrust. Yeah, I see it. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I'm glad he's having that revelation right now. And that's just what you. I just knew in my body, I have to tolerate that for right now. But once again, I liked what Ryan said. That's a conversion. And her body's still saying, like, I'm not quite sure I can trust this. Don't, nope, you fooled me once. You fooled me twice. Right. You fooled me a million times. I'm not doing this right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not opening my heart right back right now. Mm-hmm. We're going a little long on the episode, but I got two more quick points. Go ahead. And we're in no certain order here. Well, this is a, we've gotten a lot of requests from y'all on Burnt Out Pursuers, yeah, and we yeah. haven't done it, so that's yeah. why we're giving it everything now. Yeah, I mean, just, just like this episode, your interventions are not going to be really perfectly in order here, uh, especially with them, because this is, this is relational cancer, man. This is, uh, this is messed up. You know, once people get to this point, so good metaphor. Two two things for me as we close is one, you gotta do the work to suspend judgment. And and that's harder than you might think. You know, outside my room, I don't have any judgment of them. But once I start moving towards this, and I'm also trying to take care of their partner, and they're doing these behaviors that are so contradictory to progress, it's easy to want to judge them, you know? It's like somebody's saying they want to lose weight on eating their sixth piece of chocolate pie. I do love chocolate pie, by the way. That's not part of this. You know, and it's easy to go, what are you doing? This won't work, right? And, and even if you're doing that in a loving way, like help me understand the chocolate pie, that's still, that's still out in front of them. And so you got to suspend judgment because you don't know how many times they risked. 
You don't know what it was like for them to fall on their face and the humiliation of putting the very best version of themselves out there only for a partner who's completely unimpressed, not, not, has deemed them somehow worthy of not breaking through their comfort levels or whatever the withdrawer had going on for all those years. So you got to do the work. And it is, I say exactly how I mean it. You have to do the work to suspend judgment. And um, it is also okay to show impact on the other, but I would say do it way later than normal. So after you spend a significant amount of time circling around in the humil- all the years of humiliation, the years of uh, devastation, humiliation, humiliation, like in- until that burnout pursuer takes that big, deep breath, they're kind of saying, I need more. It is also okay to then push the leading edge because they can't stay there. So, and while your body is just saying, it's really, really hard to put any, even a little piece of my heart forward, the cycle takes that. And it tells your partner not that you've been hurt for a really long time, but it tells your partner that they are fundamentally so unworthy of love that they're just a piece of trash. I'm heightening the message that the cycle sends. And if you've done a good enough job clearing their protection, some burnout pursuers can come forward right there and say, hang on, that's not what I'm trying to say. And now we have a space for potentially something new. Wow, y'all. I'm glad we did kind of, you know, get the chance to slow down and really pay attention to this stuck place because it's not only stuck for the client, but it's also stuck for the therapist. So once again, just thank you for listening. Hope this has been helpful and help you push the leading edge for you and for your burnt out pursuers. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Reyna Professional Training and on his website, ryanreynatraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Thank you.